Chapter Five of Penrod. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For information or to volunteer, visit www.librivox.org. Read by Jonathan Burchard, March two thousand nine. Penrod by Booth Tarkington. Chapter Five: The Pageant of the Table Round. Penrod. Mrs. Laura Rubish stood in the doorway, indignantly gazing upon a child Sir Lancelot mantled to the heels. "'Do you know that you have kept an audience of five hundred people waiting for ten minutes?' She also detained the five hundred while she spake further. "'Well,' said Pendron contentedly, as he followed her toward the buzzing stage, "'I was just sitting there thinking.' Two minutes later, the curtain rose on a medieval castle hall richly done in the new stagecraft made in Germany, and consisting of pink and blue cheesecloth. The child King Arthur and the child Queen Guinevere were disclosed upon thrones, with the child Elaine and many other celebrities in attendance, while about fifteen child knights were seated at a dining-room table round, which was covered with a large oriental rug, and displayed, for the night's refreshment, a banquet service of silver loving cups and trophies, borrowed from the country club and some local automobile manufacturers. In addition to this splendor, potted plants and palms have seldom been more lavishly used in any castle on the stage or off. The footlights were aided by a spotlight from the rear of the hall, and the children were revealed in a blaze of glory. A hushed, multitudinous, oh! of an admiration came from the decorous and delighted audience. Then the children sang feebly, Children of the table round, little knights and ladies we, let our voices all resound, faith and hope and charity. The child king Arthur rose, extending his scepter with the decisive gesture of a semaphore, and spake. Each little knight and lady born has noble deeds to perform. In the child world of chivalry, no matter how small his share may be, let each advance and tell in turn what claim has each to knighthood earn. The child Sir Mordred, the villain of this piece, rose in his place at the table round and piped the only lines ever written by Mrs. Laura Rubish which Penrod Schofield could have pronounced without loathing. Georgie Bassett, a really angelic boy, had been selected for the role of Mordred. His perfect conduct had earned for him the sardonic sobriquet, the little gentleman, among his boy acquaintances. Naturally, he had no friends. Hence, the other boys supposed that he had been selected for the wicked Mordred as a reward of virtue. He declaimed serenely, "'I height, say Mordred the child, and I teach lessons of selfishest evil and reach out into darkness.' Thoughtless, unkind, and ruthless is Mordred, and unrefined. The child, Sir Mordred, was properly rebuked and denied the accolade, though, like the others, he seemed to have assumed the title already. He made a plotter's exit, whereupon Maurice Levy rose, bowed, announced that he hided the child Sir Galahad, and continued with perfect sang-froid. I am the purest of the pure. I have but kindest thoughts each day. I give my riches to the poor and follow in the master's way. This elicited tokens of approval from the child King Arthur, and he bade Maurice stand forth and come near the throne, a command obeyed with the easy grace of conscious merit. It was Penrod's turn. He stepped back from his chair, 
the table between him and the audience, and began in a high, breathless monotone. I hight Sir Lancelot do like the child, gentle-hearted, meek and mild, when though I'm but a little child, gentle-hearted, meek and mild, I do my share though, but, though, but. Penrod paused and gulped. The voice of Mrs. Laura Rubish was heard from the wings, prompting irritably, and the child Sir Lancelot repeated, I do my share, though, though but a tot, I pray, unite, Sir Lancelot. This also met the royal favor, and Penrod was bidden to join Sir Galahad at the throne. As he crossed the stage, Mrs. Schofield whispered to Margaret, That boy! He's unpinned his mantle and fixed it to cover his whole costume, after we worked so hard to make it becoming. Never mind, he'll have to take the cape off in a minute, returned Margaret. She leaned forward suddenly, narrowing her eyes to see better. What is that thing hanging about his left ankle? she whispered uneasily. How queer! He must have got tangled in something. Where? asked Mrs. Schofield in alarm. His left foot, it makes him stumble, don't you see? It looks, it looks like an elephant's foot. The child Sir Lancelot and the child Sir Galahad clasped hands before their child king. Penrod was conscious of a great uplift. In a moment he would have to throw aside his mantle. But even so he was protected and sheltered in the human garment of a man. His stage fright had passed, for the audience was but an indistinguishable blur of darkness beyond the dazzling lights. His most repulsive speech, that in which he proclaimed himself a tot, was over and done with, and now at last the small moist hand of the child Sir Galahad lay within his own. Craftily his brown fingers stole from Maurice's palm to the wrist. The two boys declaimed in concert. "'We are two children of the table round!' Stirring kindness all around, with love and good deeds striving for the best, may our little efforts e'er be blessed. Two little hearts we offer, see, united love, faith, hope, and chair. Ow! The conclusion of the duet was marred. The child Sir Galahad suddenly stiffened, and uttering an irrepressible shriek of anguish, gave a brief exhibition of the contortionist art. He's twisted my wrist! Darn you, Lego! The voice of Mrs. Laura Rubush was again heard from the wings. It sounded bloodthirsty. Penrod released his victim, and the child King Arthur, somewhat disconcerted, extended his scepter and, with the assistance of the enraged prompter, said, Sweet child friends of the table round, in brotherly love and kindness abound. Sir Lancelot, you have spoken well. Sir Galahad, too, as clear as bell. So now doff your mantles gay, and you shall be knighted this very day. And Penrod doffed his mantle. Simultaneously a thick and vasty gasp came from the audience, as from five hundred bathers in a wholly unexpected surf. The gasp was punctuated irregularly over the auditorium by imperfectly subdued screams both of dismay and incredulous joy, and by two dismal shrieks. Altogether, it was an extraordinary sound, a sound never to be forgotten by anyone who heard it. It was almost as unforgettable as the sight which caused it. 
the word sight being here used in its vernacular sense for penrod standing unmantled and revealed in all the medieval and artistic glory of the janitor's blue overalls falls within its meaning the janitor was a heavy man and his overalls upon penrod were merely oceanic the boy was at once swaddled and lost within their blue gulfs and vast saggings and the left leg too hastily rolled up had descended with a distinctively elephantine effect as margaret had observed certainly the child sir lancelot was at least a sight it is probable that a great many in that hall must have had even then a consciousness that they were looking on at history in the making a supreme act is recognizable at sight it bears the birthmark of immortality but penrod that marvellous boy had begun to declaim even with the gesture of flinging off his mantle for the accolade i first the child sir lancelot dulac will volunteer to knighthood take and kneeling here before your throne i vow to he finished his speech unheard the audience had recovered breath but had lost self-control and there ensued something later described by a participant as a sort of cultured riot the actors in the pageant were not so dumbfounded by penrod's costume as might have been expected a few precocious geniuses perceived that the overalls were the child's lancelot's own comment on maternal intentions and these were profoundly impressed they regarded him with the grisly admiration of young and ambitious criminals for a jailmate about to be distinguished by hanging but most of the children simply took it to be the case a little strange but not startling that penrod's mother had dressed him like that which is pathetic they tried to go on with the pageant they made a brief manful effort but the irrepressible outbursts from the audience bewildered them every time sir lancelot du lake the child opened his mouth the great shadowy house fell into an uproar and the children into confusion strong women and brave girls in the audience went out into the lobby shrieking and clinging to one another others remained rocking in their seats helpless and spent the neighborhood of mrs schofield and margaret became tactfully a desert friends of the author went behind the scenes and encountered a hitherto unknown phase of mrs laura rubush they said afterward that she hardly seemed to know what she was doing she begged to be left alone somewhere with penrod schofield just for a little while they led her away End of chapter 5 of Penrod by Booth Tarkington